don't get to come too often, but thanks for the opportunity. Unfortunately, in this situation, but we thank the Lord for uh, touching Pastor Tony. Amen. So today, uh, we're, we're going to talk about love and acceptance. Amen. Amen. I shared this uh, last week. Actually, it was a two-parter in, in my church, but I'm here now, so we'll just kind of do two and one. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be the extra time. Now, don't worry about that. Amen. Oh, he's going to have us here all night. All day, I should say. But we can't get enough of the word, right? That's right. Seems like sometimes when we first come to God, we are excited about the word. And then as time goes on, we start to lose the interest. We can't let that happen. Can't be hungry. Can't stay hungry. Got to stay wanting, seeking more and more of God. Because he has more for your life. Amen. Amen. See, this, this relationship with God is almost like a... How you doing, sir? It's, <laughs> it's like a, a school. As you go through the stages of, 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 of uh, your age, you learn more. But you have to keep going. You, you, you can't stay back. And, and you have to go to school and do something to get to that next grade. It's the same thing when it comes to the word of God. This, this word here is, is uh, 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 something that where you, you can grow into a more of a deeper, intimate connection with Jesus Christ. But you can't sit back and think that's going to happen. You've got to do something. You have to go after God. You have to seek God. So he tells us to do that. And when he does that, he can bring you to another level. It's, it's, it's about learning and to know God in a different way than I did before. See, there's different levels to God. But, but, so you can't sit back. Keep seeking and pursuing. And he can bring you into another place. There's always more, amen? amen? Someone may need to hear that because that wasn't a part of the message. Like I said, we're going to talk about love and acceptance. And when we look at the scriptures, you know, the, the, the Bible is so, so powerful and so awesome. But we know that God is a God of love. We know that. First John 4, it tells us, he that knoweth not love, knoweth not God. Amen. Which we can preach on that until Christ comes back if you think about that. Because if you can't love, God says, you really don't know me. It's a powerful thing if you think about that, and we can really dig into that. But we won't go into that this morning. But we will focus on the fact that God is love. The Bible says that. But because he's love, he's the ultimate description of love. See, we're living in a culture today where man has decided what love means. But that's not right, because God is the author of love. You think about that? He's the creator of everything. So he's the one who establishes what love really is. Not man, not us. God is love. That's who he is. Who's, well, what is God about? Love. That's who he is. But, but when you think about that description, see, God showed uh, or expressed the ultimate love that he could or that, and tells us what, that we could do the same thing in John fifteen thirteen, He says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man will lay down his life, you know, for his friends, right? So he laid down his life for us. So he showed us the ultimate expression, the greatest love he showed to us. You know, John 3.16 also said that God loved the world. Right? So Jesus came and died for the world, each and every one of us. So God is love. We understand that establishment of who he is because, again, he's the ultimate description of love. He was a manifestation in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says that God was manifested in the flesh, so love came and manifested himself in the flesh. It's an amazing thing, because when we think about his love, we can go into a lot with that. But, when I, but the reason I say we have to think about that, because we, we, we know that he is love. 
But because he's love, does that mean he accepts everyone into the kingdom of heaven? See, we have to understand again, you know, what I'm saying is because we're, we're living in a culture where love and acceptance are the same thing. If, if, if you love me, you're going to accept me the way I am, how I am, how I live. It doesn't matter who I am and what I choose to live and all this kind of stuff. But you're going to accept me because you love me. You're going to include me because you love me. Another a big word today is inclusion. Acceptance. Love. They tie these things together. But when we look at the author of love, they're two different things. Amen. See, again, man can't decide things because God has already established it. They try to, but you, they can't. Because guess what? His word will never change. It will never change. See, in Matthew 7, Jesus, again, the ultimate description of love says in Matthew 7, 21, what does he tell us? He tells us, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. He is love telling us this. So we can see something here now. So then who will, who will be accepted into heaven? He says, those who do the will of my father. So if you're not doing the will of God, don't expect to be in heaven. He's telling us that. See, he loved and he, he died for the world. But is the world going to heaven? You see? So we can see that love and acceptance, very different when it comes to God's description. Not man today, because they're the same today. When it comes to God's word, they're very different. And we'll just go through that because we have to understand how important that is. Because we have to put ourselves now and make sure, am I accepted by God? You say, well... Well, God loves everyone. Sure he does. He welcomes us, in, welcomes us into the kingdom. But when I come into this relationship with this almighty God, something has to happen. You can't tell me you experienced God and you're still the same person. It just can't be. Amen. The one who created the universe. And now you come in a relationship with him and you're the same. No, something is wrong. So we see that something has to change when I come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a couple of examples, and we'll go through a couple of them, but just to kind of show you, just establish this point, because everything that we share and teach is by the Word of God, so I'm not, it's not my opinion, or I think, no, it doesn't matter what I think. What does the Word of God say? It should be the same thing for you. Well, I think, um, maybe I should, well, what does the Word of God say? That's all that matters. Because when you go before Him, you're going to give an account for that decision you just made that was against the Word of God. Now think about that. So everything I'm doing, and we'll go into this a little bit more. But another example I want to show is in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Good example there. Because the Lord says, he talks about the fruit, talks about the fruit of the flesh, works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. He says that the works of the flesh which manifest are these. He goes adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, heresy, rebelling, all these things, drunkenness, right? The Lord says, they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, now, man's description says, well, I think this is okay. God says, if you do this, you're not going to heaven. So, so I love you, but I'm telling you, if you do this, you're not going to heaven. There are love and acceptance, two different things. We are accepted when we're doing things according to the word of God, not according to our opinion, our feelings. And No, no, that, that, that doesn't have anything to do with this. God didn't say, well, if you feel like tithing, you can. He didn't say that. It's a commandment, right? Yes, yes. If you feel like forgiving this person, you can't. No, no, no. It's a commandment. And guess what? If you don't do it, you're going to pay the consequence. So, so everything in this word is, is, is a, a commandment. But, but see, 
He gives us the power to keep the commandments. If you really want to. See, this, this, God and serving God is such an important in, uh, in thing in our lives. It, 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 you, you, you have to be, be determined to know him the way he wants to be known. See, see, see people come into relationship with God and say, oh yeah, I know God. Do you? Do you? Because it says, if you know me, he says in First John, you're going to keep my commandments. Are you obeying the commandments of God? Well, well then you don't know God. That's what he says. See, you know, God is love, but, but, but God is a God of judgment, a God of wrath, right? All these things. But you, why, why, why don't we hear that about that in the, in the church? And I'm not saying, of course, this church, you know, Pastor Tony preaches truth and our, my senior pastor as well. But I'm saying across the, the body of Christ. God is a God of love, but that's all you hear. We don't hear the other side. Right. Read, the, read, the, read the Old Testament and the judgments and things that took place, the fire that came down in Leviticus 10 when they gave a sacrifice that wasn't pleasing. So again, Nadab and Abihu, Leviticus 10, they were priests unto God. Sons of Aaron. They gave a sacrifice that was unacceptable. And because of that, they were devoured by fire. I thought God is love. He is love, but he accepts based on what he says is acceptable. So it's so important that we understand that. And like I said, I think it's very important that we establish this fact because we're living in a culture today where love and acceptance have become the same. But that's not the case when it comes to God's word. So don't fall into that. Amen. Amen. Don't fall into that. Stick with the word of God. So we see there are conditions when it comes to this. We think about Romans chapter 8, 38, 39, talks about love and God and, and nothing will separate us from his love, which is amazing. Thank you, Lord, for that. But, but the problem with, with, with that is we understand, see, and this is something we have to understand is that God loves you, he loves me. Yes, there's no, there's no question about that. But, but Isaiah 58 and 9 tells us that sin separates us from God. See, nothing separates me from his love. But if I have sin in my life, the wages of sin is death, right? So, so I can, if I have sin in my life, the wages of sin is death, it's going to take me to the path of destruction. It's going to take me to hell. Does that mean God doesn't love me? Sure he loves me. I chose. See, 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 see serving God is a covenant. God says, if you do these things, this is yours. If you follow my commandments, this is yours. If you do this, you have protection. You, you might go through things, you have protection. You might have ups and downs, I'm going to be with you, right? If you do these things. See, this, this word is so awesome. It's a covenant, it's a promise in, in this word. But if you don't do it, you chose to not have my protection. You chose to not have my provision. You see, we have, see God has, can do his part, but you have to do something. In other words, so, so God loves me. He loves you, yes, but do I love God? That's the question. You see that? See, it's a two-way street. And sometimes it's unfortunate because we're living in a world, again now today, where the church says, well, God loves me, so I can just live and do anything I want. No, no, no. No, that's not right. Because he says, if you love me in John 14, 15, you're going to keep my commandments. See, so many people say, oh, yeah, I love God. Do you? Are you being the word of God? Are you doing his will? Are you keeping his commandments? That's what you have to ask yourself. Don't be deceived and think, well, I'm serving God and I have my own idea of what it means to serve God. 
No, no, no. You don't have your own idea. This tells you how to serve God right here. See, people have to say, well, I serve God. You know, I have a private relationship. No. Huh? It doesn't say anything about I have a private relationship. It's a personal, intimate relationship, yes. But what, is, what I'm saying is people say that because they like to say, uh, I, serve God the way they think they should. So I have a private relationship. You know, I, I do what I think. God didn't give me this word or give you this word for me to decide what I think, how I should serve God. He says, here's my commandments. If you do them, you'll be blessed. If you don't do them, you'll be cursed. Is it you have a free choice? So we have to understand how important God's love and God's acceptance are. Two very different things. Like I said, prior to salvation, see, we sinned against God. And let me read uh, 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 something for you because sin separates us from God. So Jesus loved us so much. See, in Psalms 104, let me just read that for you briefly. Psalms 104, verse um, 35, it says, Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Blessed are the Lord, O my soul, praise ye the Lord. So let the sinners be consumed. Do you see that? See, see, the, 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 today the church, and, and, and I'm just, you know, different things coming out as far as that, but as far as, what, you know, what I'm sharing here, but today the church says, well, we all sin. See, people say that. Christians say that. Oh, well, we all sin. Really? Is that what the Word of God says? Or does, did a man say that? Where did that come from? Because, it was, because here he says that sinners will be consumed. So if we're all sinners, we're in trouble. The, 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 the scripture makes it very clear. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, you, you can't just read the scripture and then make up your own. Uh, what it said. Read it, what he's saying. For all have sinned, past tense, yes. and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. See, we all were sinners prior to salvation. Yes, no doubt about it. Automatically, you cursed, you hated people, you stole, you, all kind of stuff. You smoked weed and you did all kind of wrong things. You drank and got high, all, all these things. Amen. We sinned automatically. If you're still doing that, that something is wrong. Because if you come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a new person. I don't desire to do those things anymore. Because I understand it's a violation of the word of God. So that's why he says, for all have sinned. That's a past tense statement. Jesus came to give us victory and power over sin. So now, when I come to this relationship with the almighty God, you're a new person. You're a new person. It starts on the inside. He puts his spirit inside of you where now you're having a different desire. Something is changing because I really don't desire certain things anymore. And you start reading, re, uh, reading and learning and studying the scripture. You say, wow, look what God is saying in here. I used to think this, but look what he's saying here. I used to do this, but God says I shouldn't be doing that. See, all these things you start learning and God is giving you the power to make the change. So he says sinners will be consumed. So Jesus came because he loves us, like I said. And he knows that we were sinners because of Adam, right? We know that. One man sinned, Romans 5, 12, sin entered the world and also death and the past upon all men. So we're all born as sinners because of Adam. Jesus said, I love you so much that I don't want you to have eternal punishment in hell. So I'm going to make a way for you to have everlasting life. So again, God loves me. 
Was, is his love and dying on the cross for me enough for me to go to heaven? We've talked about this. No, it's not. Why? It is. I like to say it like this. It is and it isn't. It is because he made a way for me to have everlasting life. It isn't because if I don't choose that sacrifice that he made for me, Amen. I'm in trouble. Amen. So it's all about a free choice. And we have a choice to choose and obey God's word. I shared that, you know, with you last time. The Israelites are a great example. God delivered them out of Egypt. And then he says, choose who you're going to serve. See, see, people come to his relationship with Jesus Christ and say, I'm a Christian. Good. Jesus says, now you need to choose who you're going to serve. See, just because you said that, I'm a Christian, that doesn't mean you're serving God. Amen. How do we know that? Because in Matthew 7, we just saw he says, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Do you see how that, that to me, that is such a powerful scripture. Because none of us want to be in that situation. Go before God and we're, all right, I'm standing before God for my judgment. And he says, I don't know who you are. Uh-oh. But Lord, I did this. I cast out devils. I spoke in tongues. I sang. I never knew you. You work of iniquity. Depart from me. Oh, boy. We don't want to hear that. Why would they hear that? See, we can do all these things. But if you're not obeying the commandments of Jesus Christ, you don't know who you are. So you're doing this and doing that, but you're not obeying God. You're in trouble. I went to church. Did you obey God's word? You, you went to church, good. But did you follow the instructions that you were hearing? What's the point? Like I said, you go to school to get an instruction to, 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 you know, to learn and to, to grow and so forth. If you're not going to receive the instruction, you're wasting your time. Same thing in the house of God. So we can see how important it is. And we talk about being accepted and, and, and so forth according to God's word. And oftentimes when we look in the scripture, let's go to Jeremiah. I'm sorry, let's go to Leviticus 22 first. Leviticus 22. We'll just read a few verses here. Because when we talk about love and acceptance, we talk about acceptance. In the scripture, oftentimes God uses that word when he refers to sacrifices first to sacrifice and we'll see that here and you'll see what I'm saying so Leviticus 22 verse uh, 18 it says it's, uh, uh, speak unto Aaron the Lord speaking here to Moses speak unto Aaron and to his sons and to all the children of Israel and say unto them whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of a strangers in Israel that will offer his oblation or of all his vows and for all his free will offerings which they will offer unto the Lord for, their, for a burnt offering. You shall offer it at your own will. A male without blemish of the beeves, that word beeves talking about cattle or cows, of the sheep or of the goats. Right, Leviticus, we're still, we're there, right, Leviticus 22. In verse 20 he says, but whatsoever hath a blemish, this is a important verse here, 22, 20, Leviticus, but whatsoever hath a blemish, you shall not offer it, for it shall not be acceptable for you. Okay, so now the Lord is telling us something here. You want to offer your offerings, good, okay. But if you offer an offering with a blemish, I don't accept it. I don't accept it. So let's see, what does he accept? Verse 21, And whatsoever hath, uh, uh, whosoever offered a sacrifice of a peace offering unto the Lord to accomplish a, his vow, or free will offering in, in the beeves of the sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. 
Now, I didn't just make that up. We didn't make that. That, that. God is saying this, right? It shall be perfect to be accepted. That's the word people don't want to hear. But it's all over the scriptures. And we'll, we'll, we'll break it down, so don't get too worked up. Well, I'll explain that. So it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. See that? No blemish therein. So God is showing us something here. Let me, let me read a few more verses. It says, the blind or the broken or the maimed or having a wean or a scurvy or a scab, you shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make any offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Either a bullock or a lamb or hath anything superfluous or a lacking in his parts, that uh, may us offer for a freewill offering, but a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut. Neither shall you make anything, uh, any offering thereof in your land. Verse 25. Neither for, uh, from a stranger's hand shall you offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them and blemishes be in them. They shall not be accepted for you. So we see, what is he talking about here? We know that when they made a mistake, they sinned. They offer their sacrifice, right? Turtle dove, ram, goat, whatever the case was, whatever you did, then you offer that sacrifice. But he's saying when you offer the sacrifice, make sure it's not broken, make sure it's not blind, make sure it's not have scurvy, right? It had to be a certain way that God required, see? See that? Or it was not accepted. So that's so important. And we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more before we're done. Let's just go to Jeremiah chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 14. So Jeremiah 14, we'll just read a few verses. Because like I said, it's a, you know, anytime we show you something, I want to show you here, there, there. So you can't say, well, no, no, I'm showing you multiple places what God is saying. So this is the word. We can't take it any other way than what God is telling us. So in Jeremiah 14, we'll, we'll just read in verse uh, 17. I'm sorry. uh, 10 and 12. I was going to go to Jeremiah 6, but we're going to go to 14. So Jeremiah 14, verses 10 and 12. So verse 10, it says, Thus saith the Lord unto this people. Now, now he's speaking to his people now. We understand that. Thus have they loved loved to wonder. They have not refrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. Now, he's speaking to his people. His people love to wonder. What does it mean? Wandering to disobedience, unrighteousness. They, they, they didn't refrain their feet. They didn't hold back. They just did things that were unpleasing to God. Therefore, the Lord did not accept them. So we put ourselves in those shoes. If, if I'm wandering away from the commandments of Jesus Christ, I won't be accepted. Now, thank God for repentance to bring us back. But, but see, Jeremiah and the Lord also talks about the Lord gets weary with repentance. What does that mean? See, and, and, and we're kind of going into this as well because, see, you know, we look in the Old Testament, and which is why God had to change the covenant because instead of them understanding that God wanted obedience, they just stocked up on turtle doves when they sinned. Instead of trying to make a change, they just stocked up on the animals. No intention on changing, just going to keep sinning. See, 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 the sacrifice was a way out, so God says, I can still accept you, but He didn't expect you to stay in that sin. See, that was the expectation. 
This was just a way for you to say, God, I'm sorry, and then now you can get back in right standing with God. And then you focus on obeying my commandments, not staying in a disobedience. Let me stack up on these turtle doves because I'm not going to stop lying. <laughs> See? So God said, I need to change this covenant now. So in the new covenant, he gives us power to keep his commandments. And he ab- abides in us. There's so many things. I mean, like I said, I, I-, I can't give you Genesis or Revelation in one message. There, man. I got to kind of, you know, there's so much. But hopefully you can, you're getting what I'm, what I'm saying here as we go through this. Amen. So we see they weren't accepted. And, and if we keep reading, he says he would not accept them. Verse 10, again, we'll finish that. He says, I will not, uh, now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, pray not for this people, for their good. See that? So because of their disobedience and no intention on changing, God tells the prophet, don't even pray for them anymore. Wow. I thought God was love. He is love. And love now says, I don't accept you because you refuse to follow my commandments. We don't want to be in that position, amen. He says in verse 12, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. Wow, you're fasting, you're doing this. God is not hearing you if you are not obeying the commandments of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Obedience is the key. We have to understand that. I'm a Christian. Are you obeying God's word? It doesn't matter you have a title. People give themselves titles and all kind of stuff. Doesn't mean they're doing the job. So I can't say I'm a Christian if I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. You see that? So this is so important. So he says, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offerings and oblation, I will not accept them. There we go. But I will consume them by the sword and by famine and by the pestilence. Wow. Because of disobedience, now they will be consumed by the sword, by the enemies, by famine, no food, pestilence, infection. Different things could be taking place, you know, because of their sin. Again, we might face something if we're obeying God's word, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's because of disobedience. It could be for the glory of God, right? We know the story in John when he says this is not because of sin, but for the glory of God. So anyway, that's another message. But, but I'm saying you see here how because of their disobedience, they were not accepted. So we can see this happening throughout the scripture, throughout the scripture. We have a, another example in um, 2 Corinthians. I just want you to see that there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. We just want to show you this here with Paul. Let me just read it for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll just read it for you. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is speaking. We know Paul was a mighty man of God. But when we look at what Paul is saying here, as it, it, awesome as he was in, 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 in you know, doing the will of God and obeying God's word and, and ministering, preaching, doing all these things. Look what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. He says, Where? He says we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he says, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body. What is he talking about? And to be present with the Lord. Right? He wants to leave this temple, this earthly temple, and be with God. I, re- I much rather do that, he says. But he says in another verse, it's needful for me to be here for you. He's telling that to the people. To help them come into a, long, a stronger, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So he says, I'm willing rather to be absent from this body and be with the Lord. Verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Wow. Verse 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to he had done, whether they be good or bad. See, now, if we are right with God, we make the rapture, we would go before God for our rewards. If we don't, see, there's a, we know there's a beam of judgment and then there's a great white throne judgment. The beam is for the saved, white throne judgment for the unsaved. But you see, Paul is a mighty man of God. He's saying, I am laboring so that I will be accepted by God. Well, this is Paul. Are we doing anything like Paul is doing? But yet Paul is saying that he wants to be accepted. So he's saying, whether I am present, in other words, words, if I'm in this earthly body, I want to be accepted. Or if I go before God, before the throne, I want to be accepted. So whether I'm present or absent, I'm laboring, so I'm accepted. What are we doing? Are you doing anything for the kingdom of God? See, I shared a message going back. It's been a while, but the, the Lord talks about the unprofitable servant. See, I'm a Christian. Good, but what are you doing for the kingdom? Is, is the kingdom profiting by you? Or, or do we see the description in Luke where the tree is not bearing any fruit? What happened? Did Jesus cursed that tree. So we can't take up space. You could be doing something, sowing some kind of seed, something, telling someone about Jesus Christ. They need salvation. Something, right? God didn't give you his spirit and his seed for you to sit on it. See, if you really understand this, that if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, where are we going? We're not going to heaven. You understand that? If you understand that, you're going to tell this person next to you, guess what? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, guess where you're going? I didn't say that. God says it. I'm saying you would be concerned for a salvation of your family member, somebody. So we need to be busy about our father's business. He will give you the words to speak. So we see here, Paul is laboring to be accepted. We must labor. Busy about our father's business. Amen. Amen. Let's go to a couple more descriptions and, we'll, and then we'll finally break this down and, and, and finish it up. Let's go to Hosea chapter 8. Now that's one of the books that we don't turn to too regularly. Now minor prophets, they just go backwards from Matthew. Amen. Or if you want to go to Daniel and go forward, same thing. Hosea is the next book. Just a few more here, and just hang on with me, and we'll we'll, we'll be done soon. So Hosea chapter eight, and we're going to read in verse. We'll look start in verse one, and then we just we're going to skip through. We won't read the whole thing. You can read it when you go home if you have time. So forth. Just you should be studying on a daily basis anyway. Amen. You eating every day. You should be reading every day, right? So look at verse 8 here. Chapter 8, I'm sorry, verse 1. He says, Set the trumpet to the mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and uh, trespassed against my law. 
So this trumpet is getting ready to sound as a warning because of judgment, because of disobedience, their transgressions and so forth, right? Let's skip down. Look at verse 4. He says, They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princesses, I knew it not. Of silver and of gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. Idolatry. Skip down again. We'll go to verse 11. He says, Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law, my word, but they counted as, were counted as, strange, as a strange thing. Isn't that something? See, God has given us the word of God, but why, it shouldn't be strange to us. And I, sh- I kind of went into this, you know, the word becomes strange to many people. See, you see, many people say, I'm a Christian. Okay, good. But, but do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah, I pray. Do you, do you study the scripture? This is who Christ is. He's the word. So do you have a relationship with the word? Do you spend any time in the word? Do you let the word minister to you as you're studying and, and spending time and seeking God? Or is the word strange? See that? Are you strangers with the word? Verse 13, he says, They sacrifice flesh for the sacrifice of mine offering and eat it, but the Lord accepted them not. Now will he remember their iniquity and visit their sins and they shall return to Egypt. So we see another example here where they were not accepted. So over and over we'll see and, and, and again, we'll, we'll go, let's go to one more and then we'll, I'm going to go into something else briefly, but Amos chapter 5. Just the next book or two over. Look at verse 21. This, this chapter is really good if you read it. It's, 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 it's good because, let me just, I, I, just I, can't, I can't go past this one. Let me just read this one, a little extra for you. So verse 18, we'll go to 21 in a minute. Look at verse 18, he says, He says, woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. See, see oh, I'm excited, Jesus is coming. I can't wait till Jesus comes. Oh man, I wish the rapture would happen just tomorrow. Look what Jesus says here. He says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a, and a bear met him. Or went into his house and, and leaned his hand upon the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Even the very dark and no brightness in it? I'll just keep reading so you see what he's saying. He says, I hate and despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. This is God. This is love. I hate and despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. What he's, he's talking about there. Feasts and, and, and gatherings and all these festivals and so forth. He says in 22, though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offering of your fat beast. Right? They're offering all these animals and sacrifices. See, well, the reason I wanted to read that, because we, we, we can say we're excited about this and that, but, but if you are not doing, the, like I said before, if you are not obeying God's word, you, you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be raptured out. 
So, so don't be so quick to say, well, I can't wait for rapture. Are you in right standing with God? Amen. We talked about a sacrifice. Is there any blemish in your life? Are you sure you're pleasing God or are you pleasing yourself? Have you decided what is wrong and right because you think you know better? Or are you letting your life be judged based on the word of God? So we, we, we just can't be so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know what? Let me make sure. When I read this word, I need to let the Holy Spirit bring conviction upon my heart Amen. to say this is where you need to make a change. I've been trying to deal with you with this, but you are just bypassing this. This is going to hold you back. So receive that conviction by the Spirit and say, God, I'm sorry. I thank you for the power to now do what you require me to do. You see that? This is so important because we know that we're at the end. Amen? There's a lot of things going on right now. Woo-wee. A lot. And, I, and just, a, a, just a hint of a preview, which I don't want to go into things. Everybody have their own ideas and opinions about stuff. That's fine. We're free to have a free mind. In Revelation 13, the Lord, this is just an extra. Now, I'll give you a lot of extra today. <laughs> but in Revelation 13, the Lord says that when the Antichrist comes, he will force all to worship him. He also says that he will force everyone to take a mark at the right hand of their forehead. If you don't take this mark, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't work, you can't do anything. You can't be a part of a normal member of society if you don't take this mark. But, but, but to me, as I watch the news and I hear things, do, do we not see that, the, that, that that system is already being pushed into society? Because on the news I'm hearing, if you don't take this certain thing, you shouldn't be able to work. You shouldn't be able to go to the restaurant. You shouldn't be able to do this. Wait a minute. Revelation 13 told me someone else is coming that's going to say that. Do we not see how we are moving in that direction? Amen. You have to wake up, church. We, we are not playing games anymore. You are, this is the end. We are at the end. The time is running out. Like my pastor says, he don't know why Jesus didn't come back yet. Amen. That's how, but because of an extended grace, God is giving us time to make it right. But guess what? Time is running out. Time is running out. This is not the time to play games with God. It is time to be serious. Well, I'm going to read later. No, read. Well, I'll pray. pray. Don't, 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 don't say, well, I'll do this. Do it. It's not a time to make an excuse for anything when it comes to the word of God. So this is so, so important. And I'm not saying, again, you can do what you, do what you want. I'm just showing you. If, you know, people make their own decision. They take and do what they want. I'm not saying that. You understand what I'm saying. I don't want to say it, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm just showing you how this is moving in a direction that God said would come, and it is already coming. It's already here. So what does that mean? Now, if we understand the scriptures, and I know Pastor Tony teaches you all, but I'm just saying just for me, for me to clear it up, we know that this mark will not be given, because some people say, well, what's going on right now? Is that the mark? Well, let's look at the scripture. Everything's based on the word of God. How do we know that is not the mark? Well, we know it's not because God says that this will not happen until... After the rapture. So once the church is raptured out, seven year peace covenant with Israel, we know that. Three and a half years, the Bible says he will break that covenant and then he will force people to worship him because he takes a sacrifice and praise or or worship and praise unto himself. And then he forces everyone to take this mark. So this is what's going on right now. It's not the mark. No, it's not. But it is a preview of what is to come. 
So that's, that's all. That, that's all I wanted to say with that, just to show you how close we are to the rapture. Because remember, the rapture takes place, and then three and a half years after the rapture, then this mark comes out. You see that? So, but, but already now we're hearing about this being forced to do certain things. So anyway, a little extra, like I said. We'll get back to this. So we see here in Amos 5, the sacrifices were not accepted. Look at verse 23. He says, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. See that? You're praising and you're worshiping God. God says, I ain't hear nothing. Why? Disobedience. See, that's why it's so important. Before you read, before you pray, say, God, forgive me. If I have done anything today that was against your word, I I repent. I'm sorry. You made a sin of omission. You didn't realize you did something. You you looked that person wrong and God said, oh, that was an evil eye. You you, you didn't recognize that. (laughs) So in anything, we just want to make sure. Now, 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 we want to grow into a spiritual place where we do know what we're doing and we're not allowing our flesh to just take over, just do what you want. No, no, no. You want to crucify that flesh and let the spiritual man be in control. So then you're not doing that evil eye anymore. You see what I'm saying? It's a process. Don't, don't feel like, well, if I'm not changed tomorrow, I'm in trouble. No, no, no. But don't have the attitude that I have time. You see, there's a difference, right? You see, God knows our heart. Some people have an attitude, well, I need to, I, I'm sorry, Lord, I want to get this thing right. Then other people say, well, ah, you know, I got time for that. I ain't worried about that right now. Oh, oh, boy. See, you're, the, you're, the, you're, you're saying that, and you're the type the Lord says he's going to come when you least expect him, when you're not aware, Amen. So we don't want to have that attitude. We want to be, Lord, I want to to make my life right with you in every area, in every area. I don't want anything to be left out. Amen. I want to be perfect. And that's what we'll look at as we go through this. So we see that he says in verse 24, but let judgment run down his waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. So that's what this is about. The Lord saying, don't be so quick to to say this and say that. Lord says, let let righteousness be manifested and, and, and taken over in your life. That's the first, first priority. Now, we'll read, and, and, and uh, let me just read this one for you in Proverbs 21, verse 3. I kind of went into this a little bit, but Proverbs 21, 3 says, uh, let me just find it here. It says, to do justice, uh, to do justice and judgment, a, little, a couple of J's in there, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You hear what he's saying? Think about what he's saying. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable than sacrifice. We, we, we kind of explained that already. See, see, they would oftentimes sacrifice, sacrifice because of sin instead of doing what God says. So God says, I'm more pleased, I'm more pleased when you obey my word than just be so quick to sacrifice sin for, you, for your sins. Now, if you make a mistake, please repent, get it right with God. I'm not saying that, but he's saying... Receive my power to do what I'm saying. So you're not continuing in this place of repentance, right? Hebrews 6, 1. We're not called to a ministry of repentance of dead works. He's giving you power to move on from that. Amen? Amen. Move on from that. Amen. See, that's what this, this, this word is, is so awesome and so powerful. So we see that description. And we, we can go to 1 Samuel 15, 22. We know it with King Saul. And he talks about obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? So we can see that, how God says that throughout the scripture. David talked about a body has thou required, right? So... So many things we, we can see where this sacrificing is so important. Let me read one more for you, and then we'll go into this and kind of summarize everything. In uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and uh, 35, you don't have to turn that, I'll just read it for you. It says that uh, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 
But in every nations, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. See that? So he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted. It doesn't matter who you are, the color you are, no matter, none of that. It doesn't matter. God says he not respect the person, Romans 2.11. But if you are fearing him and reverencing my word, you have fear of God. That's so important. We can teach on that until Christ comes. Because when you lose the fear, your relationship with God goes down the tubes. So we have to keep the reverence. Recognize his authority and recognize who you are. Like Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm nothing. You are nothing in comparison to the Almighty God. Amen. That's so powerful. I could, well, I could just keep going with that, but let's keep going with this. Amen? Amen. So we have to see how important it is that we are uh, 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 obeying God and not living in that place of disobedience. We have to walk in righteousness. So we saw in Leviticus 22, the Lord says, what kind of sacrifice was accepted? A perfect sacrifice, right? Well, we know the scriptures. We look at the word of God. Jesus came, the Bible says, as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So Jesus came as that perfect sacrifice for our sins. Thank you, Lord. Right? But remember, he came as our example. You study that in Peter. So now, as we look in the scripture, and we go into 1 Peter, uh, in verse 19, let me read it for you. If you, you don't have to turn there. We'll, we'll look at some other ones, but I'll turn there because I can get there pretty quick. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it talks about Jesus came as a, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So, that was who he, so he was that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice. But as we keep reading 1 Peter, we go to chapter 2, hang with me now. The Lord says, verse 4, to whom coming as unto a living stone, Jesus Christ, this allowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. We know that he was the living stone, that cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that was rejected. But so he says in verse five, ye also, this is first Peter chapter two, verse five, ye also as living stones, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual Sacrifice, right? In other words, I'm not offering a turtle dove. I'm not offering a, a, a ram or, right? We're offering spiritual sacrifices. What does he say? Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen. See that? So, so now we have to understand something. Christ came as a perfect lamb, yes. But now we're seeing something. Now we're seeing, he's saying, through Christ, we also offer up Spiritual sacrifices now. So now, it's not just that Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb. He was, but now God has an expectation for us. You see that? Because now he's saying, through me, you also now offer up this sacrifice. So, so we see God has transitioned in the, t- in the covenant from animals, which they couldn't get it because they just stocked them up, to now, the sacrifice is my life. The sacrifice is your life. And we see that so plainly in the scriptures. In Romans chapter 12, we know this, right? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Let me just read it for you briefly. He says, I beg you, brethren, Paul again speaking, I beg you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see that? Holy and acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. Now, why, why, why am I showing you that? Because you see how the Lord didn't accept certain sacrifices, but now he's telling you, you're the sacrifice. Is he accepting of you? See that? Is he accepting of you? See, every one of us in here, 
are offering up some type of sacrifice to God. Maybe you didn't think about that. Maybe you didn't realize it. But you are some type of sacrifice. Are you what kind though? Are you maimed? Are you broken? Are you, you see? What kind of sacrifice are you giving to God? Because God says the only one that was acceptable was a perfect sacrifice. And now we're seeing here, through Christ, we are to be that same perfect sacrifice. In verse 2 he says, To not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, so God has certain things that are acceptable and certain things that are unacceptable. Amen? Where do you fall? That's the question. Now he tells us how to be accepted. See, that's what's so good about God. He, he don't leave you hanging. He don't say, do this and then figure out how you're going to do it. No, he don't do that. He says, here's the power. So he says, I want you to obey my commandments, and I'm going to give you a little power so you can do it. Amen. So if we look in the scripture, we see that through the word of God, we become that perfect sacrifice. And I want to read it for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn to this one, and we'll turn to one more, and then we should be done. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we, we might know this by heart, but just want to read it for you because it pertains to the message. Amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, we look at verse 16. He says, all scripture, all scripture, amen, all scripture, can we say it? Amen. All scripture. So not some scripture. So you just can't agree with what you would think that, that this is okay. That's nothing wrong with that. Oh, over here, I think that's... No, no, no. God says all Scripture. Amen? Amen? Even when he says that there's judgment, there's wrath, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Yes. And it's profitable for what? Doctrine, right? Reproof, correction, for instruction, what? In righteousness. You see that? So God has given us a word to bring you into righteousness. Now, 1 John 2, 1, we say that there's none righteous but one, which is Jesus Christ. So he's shown you how to be in Christ through the word of God. How's that happen? When you make sure this word is your doctrine, you base your life on the word of God. You don't do anything outside of the word of God. It's, it becomes the foundation, doctrine of life. It becomes your reproof. So now you let this word reprieve, reprove you, show you where you're falling short, convict your heart. You have to let the word do that. Receive God's correction. So when, when you're studying the word of God, don't just, again, don't just say, well, I'm going to read my Bible today. No, no. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness if I've done anything today. But Lord, as I study, let your word minister to my heart. Show me. Make the correction. Make the changes. Give me revelation. You see? This word is alive. So you want it to speak to you. Amen? Amen. So we want it to be our instruction. We want it to bring us into righteousness. And what, why is that so important? Verse 17. That the man of God, or the woman of God, may be perfect. He's showing you right here. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, so when we hear that word perfect, people say, ah, nobody's perfect. Well, that's not, you got to understand what God is saying. Perfect means, in the scripture, it means complete, total, your whole heart is devoted to God. So, in other words, as a Christian, it's not me saying, oh boy, I got to be perfect. Oh, I'm sorry, I want to be perfect. No. It is about me submitting my life to the one who is perfect already. And as I seek him, as I allow him to bring me to correction, as I allow him to reprove me, he brings me into perfection. You see that? See, that's what it is. God does it. He does it if you let him now. 
He can't force you to be this way. You have a free choice. But he tells you, if you allow my word to reprove you, if you allow my word to correct you, if you allow these instructions to bring into righteousness, I'll make you perfect. So God is going to do it. You can become that perfect sacrifice. And we have to because we in Ephesians 5, he says that he comes in back for the church without spot or blemish. So we have to allow this word to make correction. Don't be resistant or rebellious to God's conviction upon your heart. And we'll go to one more. I'm sorry, in Hebrews 12, I said we were going to do one more. Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 28, chapter 12, Hebrews verse 28, he says, again, Paul, we're speaking here. He says, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why is that so important? For our God is a consuming fire. Amen? Amen. He's a consuming fire. See, and, 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 and I, we, we've talked about that. I mean, there's so many things that go into that. But I just wanted you to see here in verse 28 that God has given the church grace. We know what grace really is. And I'm sure, you know, Pastor Tony is, is, uh, has, has, has taught you that. See, it's unmerited favor, right? But when I accept that grace, it becomes power to please God. See, people say, well, I'm saved by grace, so, so that's why Romans 6 says, shall we continue to sin because we're saved by grace, so we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God didn't give the church grace for me to continue a lifestyle of disobedience. He gave you grace to empower you to now live a different life. So it's so important that we understand that. And, and, and if, if, just to explain grace a little bit more, in chapter in, um, Titus, I'm sorry. To me, this is an awesome description, and, and, and you can read this when you go home, but it says, Titus 2.11, you don't have to turn, I'll just read it for you, you can read it when you go home. It says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men. See that? The grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men. Yes, thank you, Lord. He's, he's, he's died for all, every one of us. So he's, he's going to give us grace, that unmerited favor. He died when you didn't deserve it. He died when you were a sinner. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Right? But we keep reading that. So the grace of God that appeared to all men had, uh, 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 that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men. Verse 12. Now what does it teach us? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Wow. So God is telling you and telling me that the grace that brought salvation teaches me to live godly, holy, righteous. Not when, only when I go to heaven. Right now. So that's what the grace is for. Don't, don't listen to this false grace that's being taught in the church. Well, because I have grace, I can just continue in sin. No, that doesn't, doesn't say that. Doesn't say that because we saw that sin is going to be consumed. So God has empowered you with grace so you can become a victory, victorious over sin. Romans 6.14 Sin shall no longer have dominion over you for you're not under law but under grace. So I've given you grace and power to have dominion over sin. Sin don't have to control you anymore. You have a free choice. If you don't want to sin, you don't have to sin. Your free will. And he's given you power to choose. That's why the Lord says in the Old Testament, choose this day you're going to serve. He's empowered me. He's empowered you to choose to serve God. To choose to obey God. To choose to live according to his word so we can be accepted. So we can be accepted. See, see, if God, and we'll close with this, if God 
accepted everyone the way they were, then everyone would go to heaven. There's no need for hell, except for the devil and his angels. But, but the, the, we study in, in uh, Isaiah, he says that the, the, the mouth of hell is being widened for all that are, will pertain and go, to, go there. So why does it have to get widened? See, because many people choose rather to live their way of living than choosing to live according to the word of God. So they're living in a lifestyle that is unacceptable. And because it's unacceptable, God says, I have a place for you. If you want to be accepted, I have a place for you too. Now you choose. And you have grace to choose to do what God says. Amen. Let's just pray before we go. Hopefully you, you got something out of this. Amen. I mean, there's so much with the word of God. We can just teach things. It's just so awesome. But I just, I, the Lord gave me this message. I just, I, I, like I said, I believe because we're living in a time where grace, I'm sorry, where acceptance and love have become one, one, one thing. But his word shows us that they're two different things. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your truth, your revelation, your understanding. Lord, we're just so thankful for knowledge of your word and understanding of your truth, and especially in these last days that we wouldn't want to be caught up in any false doctrine that would pull us away from your pure word. And we thank you, Lord, for the power to do your will, the grace to walk in your ways. Lord, if we have gotten into a backslidden condition, we want to ask for your forgiveness. If we are not seeking and pursuing, as you said, that we should be diligently seeking you, we want to ask for your forgiveness. If we've gotten lazy in our service towards you, we want to repent. Lord, give us a new desire now to seek you like never before. Especially as we know that trumpet will sound at any time. We want to be right with you, Lord. We want to be in right standing with you. Our own ways and thoughts, let them be removed by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the mind of Christ. As you said in Psalms 19.14, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We want to speak words that are acceptable to you. We want to think thoughts that are accepted to you. But we want to cast down the imaginations that are against your word. So we thank you for the grace, the power to walk in your ways, the power to keep your commandments, the power to stay hungry, to not be satisfied because we know you have more. And I thank you for blessing those here this morning that, are, that will be, stay hungry for your presence, that will seek your word, give them revelation, bring them to another level. Let them know that there's more than what, 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 where, they are now, where they are now. And we thank you for that, Lord. We give you all the glory for it and all the praise. Again, bless those that are here that are faithful. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that touches Pastor Tony. We thank you for your healing and the victory in the situation. We give you all the praise and glory for it in advance. And we just magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I guess I'll see you next time. I'm not sure when that will be, but take care until then. Amen. Amen.